Oh, it's me. <laughs> ho, ho, ho! Uh, no, no, no. But it's not that time yet, or? No, it's not that time yet, <sighs> but it's close. It's close, okay. Echo Church is our place, our people, and our purpose. We want to take a moment and welcome our guests. We want to help you take your first step into this life-giving local church and find the community and support you've been looking for. If you'd like to get connected, please reach out to us at hey at wearetheecho.church today, and we'd love to help. Hey, don't miss next week in person, in the building. It's Flood Sunday, one of our favorites. We're going to be celebrating with people who are stepping boldly out and participating in water baptism. It's so cool to hear and watch their stories unfold. Absolutely. Traditions. <clears throat> Traditions. At Echo are the best. The Christmas season is the best. We have Build-A-Bag. We have... Christmas with the Prams. We have Christmas Eve service. We have... Sweatpants Sunday, a crowd favorite coming your way. Coming your way. Make a priority to enjoy the season with Echo and with those you love. Invite a friend, neighbor, or coworker to join us this holiday season. Hey, we also want to say thank you for your continued diligence to give God 10% or, or 110% of someone else's money. Yeah, exactly. So of your income and offering more, if you are looking to give to Echo today, you can head to our website or text any amount to 84321. Enjoy your Echo Sunday service. See them.
a little bit with this dex. the next few minutes is pause and remember Jesus and what he did for us. 1 Corinthians 11:23 says, for I've received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given it or when he, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood and do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, before he leaves, he says, I'm gonna leave, but don't forget. Because when Jesus came, he brought the new exodus. He brought us new opportunity. He redefined what love is and he brings us hope. But the key is, is, is simply and I think, that, and I think the key, I think what you want, I want you to hear is this, is many times we come to this and think this is just about me, but the truth is this is about us. That God is calling us to the table. For some of us in this room, we come in here with expectation. We come in here and we're excited. We come in here and life is just going awesome. Yet there's others that have come in here and it's hard to say thank you to God because things are just pressurized around you. And the power of communion is this, is that we come to remember Jesus. And I wanna do something a little different before we take communion today. I want you to look at your neighbor. And if you don't know them, will you just ask them what their name is real quick? Just all across the room. If you don't know what their name is,
Hey, isn't it nice to have an extra hour of sleep today? <laughs> Does everybody have a communion cup? If you've not received a communion cup, the ushers are coming down the aisle and they would love to give that to you. You'll see that if you open the top, there is a cardboard wafer. <laughs> Somehow Christians have got it wrong. The Lord says, come taste and see that the Lord is good, but our communion bread stinks. Yes. So. And anyway, but you know, anyway. But today what we do is um, we as followers of Jesus, we come together. Yeah. And Jesus today, as we're holding the wafer in our hands, we remember you. Remember that you willingly laid down your body to be broken for us. God, I thank you for our new friends we just met who we're at the table with and you're at the center of it. So today we say thank you. And if you agree with that, will you say amen and partake and take the bread. And Jesus, as we hold the grape juice in our hand, this is just a simple reminder Reminder of the beautiful kids underneath. But yet this juice reminds us of the cost you paid for us, for me. And regardless of how we came into this space today, at this very moment, we're thankful that you paid it all. And that's what we remember today. Jesus, you paid it all. If you agree with that, will you say amen? May we take this? Dexter, why don't you sing this one last time? thank you that you are in our midst. Your presence is here. God, thank you that we don't have to do life alone, but we get to do it with you and with others around us. We love you and we thank you and we're honored and we praise you. And your name is above all other names in Jesus' name. And everybody shouts. say a deal. Sometimes a deal is not a deal. Well, let me tell you a little story here, okay? Christy and I had the opportunity to go out to California here midsummer and to be able to, to train uh, some church planters 
uh, in, in their new adventure of, of living their dream out, living their li life calling out, which is one of the biggest privileges that we get to do as pastors. Uh, but the thing that I'm always looking for is the deal, if you know what I'm saying. And so we, we were helped to get out to California. And, 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 you know, I said, while we're out there, let's spend a few more days and let's go ahead and pick up an Airbnb and let's celebrate our anniversary. And so we did that. And Christy and I, we were at the beach every day for like three or four days. And, and, and about day two, I realized really quickly that my shorts that I brought to the ocean it may not last within the power of the waves. Because there was, there, I had some swim shorts and, uh, and they, they weren't like, you know, a really thick type of material. And, uh, and then there was a rip about like right here, right, right where the pocket seam line was. And when I was in the ocean and I was trying to surf, uh, surf and, uh, and making more, and let me say it like this, I was making a fool of myself in front of about 100 people on the beach watching me try to surf. And I remember there was a few moments where I went underneath the wake and, and, and feel the turbulence of the wave. And I, I started thinking like, you know, if it's the wrong type of wave and it's more power than what I'm feeling now, my pants, my shorts might just be ripped off. And I, I was actually processing that. Sorry for all the bad visuals out there today. Uh, but I had processed that. And so day two, we go to a couple surf shops. And I'm looking at the prices of shorts, a deal. And I'm always the sucker for the deal. And I went and looked at some shorts. And I'm like, man, I am not going to pay like $45 or $50 for shorts. That's just not in my inner character. I cannot do that. And then all of a sudden, I found the bargain the bargain rack. Y'all kind of hear an amen for the bargain rack. I see that hand. And so, man, I start looking through the bargain rack and, and you know what? I, I knew what I wanted. I wanted some shorts that weren't like super tall. They weren't super high. They had some inner lining. And, and uh, so I was looking for those things, but all those types of things start kind of like, like they were like, all, they were non-negotiables before, but now they've become negotiable because of the deal. And I thought, you know what? You know what? This, I, I, and I didn't really want bright bright ones. I just kind of wanted some black shorts, you know, maybe white ones. I don't want well, probably not white. Uh, but anyway, just black, dark ones, gray would work. And eventually I found these shorts on the bargain. Now what's crazy about these shorts is this. They were $10 cheaper than the others. And what I learned on that trip I threw my back out the other day, so that takes me a little. No, just chill out, Christy. Let me let me just roll with it. Let me just roll with it. I purchased these shorts. Come on. I wore my my kind of Hawaiian like like wave, you know, whatever this is called, a shirt. Anyway, so I purchased these shorts, and, and then I went into the changing room, and I put them on right away, and, and like, all I noticed is there's a bunch of sharks on it, okay? And I, I like, it said something like, um, uh, cooler than you, you know? Those are some of the things that kind of stuck out. Well, anyway, I got back to the beach, and I was getting ready, and I was mentally preparing of, like, like man, I'm going to go back in that ocean, and it's going to beat me up, and, and, but I love it. I love that kind of stuff. And so I was laying, or sitting down, and I looked at my shorts, and then I realized just before I went in the ocean, wait, these aren't just shark, sharks, but these are sharks drinking beer. <laughs> and there's like coolers of beer. And then I, then I realized, I was looking at like, like the, um, the tag and it says party pants. <laughs> Sometimes a deal is not a deal. Now, well, you don't know, some of you don't know about this, but I don't, I don't drink any alcohol. And so I start telling myself, well, it's uh, cream soda and coolers of Gatorade and uh, Izzy's or something. But I realized at that very moment that I'm, I, I'm a sucker for a deal, and I'm also like, sometimes I, 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 I 
miss the opportunity or I, 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 um, I just, I miss it. I just simply miss it in life. And, and I think sometimes in life, uh, we miss it because our eyes are attracted to a certain item or a certain person uh, or a certain opportunity. And whatever your non-negotiable was before, all of a sudden becomes negotiable. negotiable. Y'all know what I'm saying? This was almost like a diagnostic test to me. It was something that, that like I had never really seen prior to buying these party pants is sometimes a deal is not a deal. <laughs> I, that, that I bought these shorts and on occasions I will wear them, but I'm going to have to buy another pair of swim shorts, therefore spending more money. I'm getting hot up here for some reason. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. <laughs> Oh, I'm bearing my soul to you today. But I'm not the only one that had a diagnostic test. I believe that God was giving the Israelites a diagnostic type of test in the desert. And so open up to Adonai, Adonai Numbers 11. And uh, I am going to take these off because I know you can't take me serious until I do so. You all get the photo at least or what? Okay, okay. This photo op, okay? Photo op, okay. Okay. Here you go, Scotty. They're really comfortable. <laughs> Numbers 11, verses one says, uh, verse one says, but the people began complaining about their hardships to Adonai. The people began to complain about their hardships to the Lord. Hardships, challenges have a way to pique our attention. And, and, and for most of us, if not every single one of us, we understand and resonate with that. I mean, confession is good for your soul. I've kind of opened up the room with a certain type of confession, but in the midst of the hardship of the last two years or some of the pressure, how many of us, we be, it was just super easy to just adopt the complaining narrative that woe is me, life is tough, this is difficult, and, and that's exactly what's happening in the desert because this is what happened. The Israelites are freed from Egypt and they head into the desert and now all of a sudden they, they don't have exactly what they used to have, but they aren't necessarily in the situation that they used to be. And, and what happened is when things got a little hard, all they did was begin to complain. Interesting enough, in Numbers 4, it says, Next, the mixed crowd that was with them grew greedy for an easier life. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, easy life. For the easier life. Now, if you break down those Greek words that, that is grew greedy, and, you, and depending on the version that you're reading, it may say something different. It's these uh, Hebrew words, ava, ta'ava. Ava ta ava. Really, what it is is it's a repetitive word usage. It's this word ava and then ta ava. And really, if you go ahead and start looking up what those words mean, it means to desire, it means to prefer, it means to crave and to covet. And what you have to understand about scripture is when there is a repeat word usage like that, it's emphasizing that they really, really desired. Y'all getting and tracking where I'm going? So when we read ava, ta'ava, it means this, I really, really, I crave and I crave for the easier Life. Now, interesting enough, and you guys know how I like to connect dots of word usage and scripture, but you can find that, that this ava, Ta'ava type of words can link back to the Deuteronomy 521 uh, reference to don't covet your wife, don't covet their car, don't covet their home. Okay, a little different terminologies in, in the scripture, but it was pretty much presenting this idea is that do not covet what you don't have. Y'all know what I'm saying there. Now, interesting enough, you go ahead and do a different reference. You go to Deuteronomy 12, 20. That same word shows up when it says this, that God's going to enlarge your territories but, and desire ava, meat, and eat meat. Now, I only kind of parallel those two scriptures because what I don't want you to hear is to desire something is a sin. It's not. It's simply not. 
But to desire something that's not yours too much is where we start stepping into our sin nature. Because Because the truth is in Deuteronomy 12, it says that God wants to enlarge your territories. That just means he wants to, to, to bless you. He wants to increase you and he wants to uh, give you more opportunity. He wants, he wants you to have good things and it's okay to desire the meat that you have and eat it. What's not okay is to desire whatever thing you don't have. And that's where we easily get set into the trap. And then there's another reference, and it's the Tahava type of reference in Genesis 3, 6, where Eve is desiring the fruit in the middle of the garden. We as humans, if we're not careful, we begin to desire after things that are simply not great for us. Let me say it like this. I think for, for a lot of us, We look at something and we see it as something really good, but sometimes a deal is not a deal. So I want to give you a few lessons today in reference to this scripture. We're going to do a little different. I'm going to continue to read through this uh, scripture and, and kind of break it down one by one and some of these ideas. But I think there's some lessons to be found in the midst of this story. The mixed crowd that was with the Israelites grew greedy for an easier Life. What I think God was trying to teach the Israelites at that very moment and a lesson that we should learn for now is this, number one, contentment is to be learned. Contentment in this life is to be learned. Satisfied with enough. Would you become satisfied with enough? Can it be sufficient enough for you? But I think, again, and I mentioned this, we, we can get so stuck into this trap uh, and, and this, this rhythm or habit of wanting everything that you don't have. I remember when I was really young, or not, young, not too young, but like uh, high school and then into college and actually a little bit post-college, man, I really loved playing video games. That was before kids, you know what I'm saying? Uh, PK, uh, I don't know, pre, yeah, PK times, pre-kids. And I remember when the newest game came out, I always felt this certain, like, and again, I know some of you are judging me, like, ooh, man, you like games? Some of you are like, you are my hero, Andy. But I remember, like, new games coming out and a new platform, and I just had that desire, and if I didn't have it, I needed to go get it, and I needed to get it on opening day. And, and so those are some of those things where I, 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 was, I should have been content with everything that I had, but there is always desire for more. I think contentment is to be learned. Philippians 4.11 says, I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, everybody say learned. The secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I can do all things, all this through him who gives me strength. Isn't it funny that a scripture that we use over and over and over about that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength is actually in reference to the contentment or the lack thereof of your life. So look at your neighbor and say, I can be content. I need to learn to be content. We will learn to be content. Numbers 11.4 says, while the people of Israel, for their part, also renewed, uh, so uh, let me just uh, read what we just read and then continue. Bottom line is the mixed crowd, they begin to become greedy for the easier life, right? And while the people of Israel, for their part, also renewed their weeping and said, so you understand like a culture influenced the Israelites, a certain group of people influenced the Israelites to also not be content. So instead of learning contentment, experiencing contentment, finding satisfaction, they grew weary and they began to weep. And then they said this, if only we had meat to eat. Remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt? In Egypt, It cost us nothing. Now, some of you may, may not be catching what I'm trying to say here, but they're saying when they were in Egypt, they got free fish, but they were slaves. 
How many of you know sometimes a deal is not a deal? The Egyptians are crying because they don't have their free fish, but yet they're free. They are, <laughs> again, I don't know if you see, you see it as, 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 as ironic as I do it, but I think it's crazy that although it costs them nothing, it begins to cost them everything. And in life, it's so easy to look at a certain thing and to begin desire after it. But what we don't understand and what we don't see right away is that desire and that, that, that covet, covet uh, nature or that, that, that movement of our heart and our eyes. Now, even though it may feel like a deal, it is not a deal. In fact, what it does is it brings us into a place where it costs us everything, everything. The lesson for now, number two, is this. Some deals are too good to be true. I think that's what we see in this narrative. They're like, man, it's free fish, but we are slaves. I mean, that deal, it's not free. You know, you all know that. It's not free. Free is never free. The deal is too good to be true. And I want us to remember that when we navigate this week, that some deals that we see are not a deal. It's just simply not it's it doesn't it's not working out for us we lie to ourselves sometimes we see a certain narrative presented before us and and again i don't hear about this a lot these days but when i grew up i heard about the white picket fence and the, the perfectly green uh, perfectly manicured green grass and that new car and that new iphone 27 and and uh for some of us we want to be different so we get the android and think we're better. <laughs> but some deals are too good to be true. Let's remember that when we navigate through life. How about this? Numbers 11, 5 says this, and the cucumbers and the melons, they're still complaining. And they're, they're kind of like chewing on this idea. They're resonating in this, this really like really negative mind space. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic, but now we're withering away. We have nothing to look at but this manna. We have nothing to look at but this manna. They're like, oh man, I remember what we used to have when we were slaves. It was so good. But what we have right now in our current circumstances is, is manna. It's, it's like every day it comes, it's there, it's enough. It feeds us, but boy, enough is never enough. Manna, interesting enough for those that don't know what it is, is this, is when the manna came, their first reaction, the Israelites, when they saw this substance that God placed around them, is they said this, what is this? And that's what manna means. What is this? They're like, what the heck? <laughs> what is this? That's what manna means. Uh, what manna was, was like a bread-like substance given to the Israelites for 40 years. In another term, that we would understand today what manna is, is God's provision. God's provision. Now let me say it like this, manna was just enough. Manna was just enough. Here's another lesson for now. Lesson for now, here, this is what I want you to hear. Sometimes less is more. Sometimes less is more. Later in this story in Numbers 11, God makes this statement. He says, because you have rejected the Lord, you've rejected me, I'm angry. Because you've rejected the Lord who is here with you. What I find interesting about that, that statement is this. I believe what manna is, is just material. Manna was material, but it was God's memo that there's a provider near them. Manna was a material for people to be reminded of that God the provider is near them. So what is this manna? It's provision 
And provision is the proof that God's presence is near us. So my question to you today is this, is he enough? Is God enough? Can God be enough? Is he enough? And for sometimes he is enough until he isn't. And we can get caught into that trap and we can get caught into the rat race. We can get so caught up into the narrative of, of what we should have and what we want to have and what we desire that we start moving away from enough. And when we walk away from manna, when we walk away from the enough, I believe we begin to walk away from God himself. Now, I wanna bring up a topic today that I believe is very sensitive in a room like this. We've all been living in a scenario that is this, what, what is this circumstance? I think a lot of us, we look at our current circumstance and situation and we ask the question, how did we get here? And so today I, I, just, wanna, I just wanna call it as it is. There are people in here that are vaccinated and there are people who are not. Now, some of you, you're growing uncomfortable in this idea, like, wait, 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 not everybody's vaccinated in the room. How could that be? Yet there are people in this room, they're gonna be like, there are people vaccinated in this room? Okay, none of those people are thinking that, I guess, but. <laughs> but I wanna be sensitive to this one idea that there are currently some of you in this room who are fearing losing your job. I wanna be sensitive to you and some of you are being threatened to losing your job and I have a few questions for you. Again, I'm not, this is not me saying I believe in this or I believe in that. I'm just telling you this. I think we all could learn something from this testing moment in our life. And here's a question, who is your provider? If you're sitting in this room today and you are worried and you're threatened by the current circumstance, who is your provider? The second question I wanna ask you is this, do you think your provider is surprised about this situation? Do you think God is surprised that you're going through what you're going through? Do you think this is catching God off guard? How about this one last, this is definitely a leading question. What if less in this season could give you more than you could ever understand? I think sometimes when we get into the church world, when we get into this scenario, we. It's so easy to think like, man, if I have less in this season, then maybe God's not blessing me. But maybe this season isn't about more, but maybe it's about less. And I've just realized in my life in the past, you know, X amount of years is, is actually one of the most beautiful places to be is in the places of less, because that's when you begin to realize that God has more for you and he's with you. Now, some of you, you're concerned in this room because of the upcoming stress that is going to be put onto your floor, put into your job description, the extra hours that are given to you. And I have a few questions for you. Who is your sustainer? Whew. And do you think your sustainer is surprised by the current situation? Do you think he, God is surprised that you might be working a little bit more in the next coming months than you expected. And my question is this, is what if less in this season could give you more than you could ever hope for? Sometimes less is more. The last lesson for now related to the concept of manna and what manna is. Manna is God's provision. The last test or lesson for now that we should learn is this, is provision is a test. God's provision and what he gives you in your circumstance is a test. And that test is just simply asking you this right now, no matter where you're at in life, is enough enough? And I'm just wondering if we could be a church, if we can be a people, if we can be families that begin to learn that enough can be enough and that we learn that lesson now rather than later. 
And I'll tell you what, we won't learn that enough can be enough if we won't put our trust in God. You won't know until you trust. I believe in our life, in our finances, in our, in our workspaces, in our livelihood, we won't know that provision that God will provide unless we begin to let go. And, and I think we'll miss it. We'll mi- miss this lesson. If, if it, and you won't know until you are obedient with what God has given to you now. See, the, pay, the people of Israel, man, they failed over and over and over again when it came to God's provision and their response to it. They failed over and over and over. And that type of diagnostic, diagnostic test that was given to them was given to them over and over. Did you learn what I taught you in the past? And will you learn and live it in the future? And in this one scripture in Malachi 3.8, uh, the, the context of what's happening is, is they had just rebuilt the temple, but the people became consumers instead of investors. The context of Malachi 3.8 is they had just rebuilt the temple and the people loved the temple. They loved to consume what it had to offer, but they themselves forgot that they were called to invest back into it. Because they had bought into the lie that enough is never enough. And if you buy into that a deal sometimes, or a deal is always to deal, you're going to miss the opportunity of growth and the lessons that God wants to go ahead and apply to your life. And in Malachi 3.8, it says this, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse for the whole, uh, your whole nation because you are robbing me. In verse 10, it says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then God, the one thing he says, test me in. He says this, test me in this. Test me into the enough areas of your life. Test me in the provision areas of, of your life. Test me in the desires and the cravings of your life. And he says this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room enough to store it. Today, I want to tell you this, is generosity is the product of appreciation. And appreciation is birthed from a presence. Did you hear that? Generosity is the product of appreciation and appreciation is birthed out of being in the presence of God. Generosity is the product of a proven presence and a heart of appreciation, which leads our hands to give. And I think there's some of you here today and and you're struggling, man, you're struggling. You're you're struggling with this whole idea of wanting more and desiring more. And and the culture has you by by your neck. And today this message is this, is let's resist. Let's fight against it. Let's learn that, that, that contentment can be found, that, that sometimes a deal is not a deal, some, that less is more, and that God is putting us to the test when it comes down to provision. But yet in that same way, he looks back at us and says, you know what, you may not feel like you have enough, but I dare you to give something, and I'll show you that it's enough and plus more, and you will be blessed more than because of it. I was listening to a message last night and the pastor said this, the highest level of provision isn't believing God will provide for you, but that he will use your trust, your generosity to inspire others to trust his provision too. Lord, today, we lay our heart on the table. We lay our hearts on the table. Some of us, we come in here because our livelihood is being stripped from us. Some of us, we come in here and we have more than enough. Some of us, 
we come in here and we're just new to this whole thing. And, and God, no matter where we're at, I just ask that you would just meet us where we're at. That God, you would be in the midst of us, that we would sense your presence, that we'd receive your provision, and that God, we would begin to learn how to respond from the provision given to us. God, I just ask that you would inspire us to become generous people, that you would, God, that you would, you would inspire us to be people of obedience, God, that we would do as you have called us to do and that would ultimately shape us to become the people that you desire us to be. In Jesus' name, and if you needed that prayer today, would you say amen? amen. Echo Church, I'm gonna ask that you stand up. I'm gonna invite people that, that walked into this space and you feel far from God to take a step towards God today. Some of, you, some of you, you've listened to this message and you're like, man, I have never felt God's provision. Everything I have is because I did it. And today what I want to tell you is this, is test, test and see if the Lord is good. Take a step towards God and, and allow him to rewrite that narrative and to show you that everything that you have has been a gift from him. God wants to welcome you into his presence. He wants to become your friend. He wants to be your guide. He wants to be your savior. And we pray a prayer every week. And we're gonna pray that together with those that might pray this for the very first time. And I'm sorry about the screens today, guys. Well, come back second hour, I'll be fixed. But for those that don't know it, just pray with me. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority, amen. I confess that I've been a criminal. I've stolen your breath and sang my own song. Lord, I confess that I'm far from innocent. The shackles I wear, I bought on my 
idea that I've clung to. And it's sometimes I don't want to pray this prayer. It, it kind of comes across as a prayer in Proverbs, but it's basically this. God, don't give me too little or too much. Because if I have too much, I'll probably disown you and I won't rely on you like I should. And if I have too little, I'll steal or, or do something wrong to try to make sure I have enough. How un-American to pray that we would have just enough. And the crazy thing is the Israelites are out there, right? They're in Egypt. They're out in the desert. They're only in the desert because they couldn't trust God in the first place to go into the promised land. So they had to spend 40 days. And guess what they got? They got just enough. And eventually God gave them just a little more. They got to have birds. They got to have meat eventually because they whined enough. But I just think it's interesting to live in a place where I want just enough. One of the things I love about Echo is that as a group, we are trying to do this together. We're trying to grow, we're trying to learn, we're trying to be better, we're trying to pursue Jesus with our whole hearts. And I just was thinking about those people that are maybe struggling with whether or not they're gonna be able to keep their job in this next season. And I just, I see Bree and I see Kath over here. I, if you guys need prayer today, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate for God, you know, to pursue God in a powerful way. Uh, don't hesitate to come up and pray if you've got a family member who's ill. Don't hesitate to come up and pray if you've got, I don't know, I mean, just money trouble in general. Or not only that, to, to thank God for what he's done in your life. What about somebody you're praying for? Let's be, a, let's be a people of prayer. And these guys are up here. They're just chilling, ready to pray for you guys. So, you know, feel free to come forward now or come forward at the end of service. But don't be afraid of that. Echo Church, you guys are amazing. Thanks for making last weekend and this weekend and every weekend awesome. We love you. Have a great week.